Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Aha! Damn! Back of the net. Monkey tennis? In no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist! Damn! Don't know how the noise. Monkey tennis? I got, uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism. More distance between the eggs and the bean. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're unpacking. Basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? Hello everyone and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Think of us like a panicked sidekick desperately swiping left on the home screen that is Alan and trying not to fluck it up. Crack open a can of Coca-Cola, hit pause on that episode of Ice Pups and let's begin. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Guess who's big in the back time? Nick Older. Paper, paper, paper. <laughs> Tom Stab. <laughs> Fintech. <laughs> so, a very special welcome to those of you listening for the first time. Uh, we are four Downlanders Shids dissecting, discussing, and celebrating the works of Alan Partridge one episode at a time. Uh, if you're new to the pod, why don't we just uh, briefly cover what we've already covered? So, uh, both series of I'm Alan Partridge, we've covered. The TV series Knowing Me, Knowing You, covered. The Christmas special Knowing Me, Knowing Yule. The autobiography I Partridge. The film Alpha Papa. Alan's contributions to the day to day, on the hour, and comic relief. Uh, Mid-Morning Matters Series 1 and 2, Scissor Isle, and Welcome to the Places of My Life. Have I missed anything? I think you've got it all right. What I would add to that is we've also interviewed Simon Greenall, a.k.a. Michael the Geordie, and Stephen Mangan, a.k.a. Dan. We've been busy over the last couple of years, haven't we? 
we, we have, really have. most recently reporting back from the BBC's advanced screening of the first few episodes of this time. So uh, for shameless name dropping and some insight into the series as a whole, please do check out episode 60. Uh, now we're fortunate enough to, for the first time, be covering New Partridge as it airs. So there'll be a new episode of Monkey Tennis every Wednesday, all about the episode of this time that airs the preceding Monday in the UK. Um, I should also mention at the top of the show, we encourage contributions, questions, comments and reactions to the latest episode of this time and to Monkey Tennis. So you can get in touch on Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at The Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, The Partridge Pod at gmail.com or on the Monkey Tennis hotline. You can call us <laughs> or use WhatsApp 079. Two three six hundred oh one seven, nailed I mean, it. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to cover, Adam. Good work. You can tell I've been on. You can tell I've been on proper BBC Radio this week, can't you? The, the level or of professionalism has gone up a bit. Um, also, at the end of the episode, we will talk about the critical reaction and your feedback to episode one of this time as well. Uh, but to start with, there's been a few things this week before the episode went out uh, that Alan's been responsible for uh, that we should uh, discuss first up. Is that right? Uh, yeah, so I would say I would. Uh, there's been a lot of in-character, in-partraverse uh, things that have happened in the last probably fortnight. Um, so there's a, and so in, in case you've missed these, we highly recommend going back to seek them out because they're all Alan in character. There was a Q and A on the BBC Press website. Uh, the whole Radio Times interview slash feature is Alan in character. Uh, there was an email that Alan sent to the entire BBC staff that uh, has been doing the rounds on social media. So if you're listening to this, you probably have seen that. Um, and what my particular favourite bit, uh, the radio advert um, for this time, which was also Alan in character, uh, which I think is so good. We should probably just drop it in now in case people haven't heard it. I'm Alan Partridge. Join me on BBC One when I'll be presenting BBC One's This Time, standing in for John Barskell, who's unwell. Our thoughts are with John at this difficult time. My thoughts are also with another group of people who'll be feeling sick. Namely the sneerers, the jeerers, the naysayers, the backbiters, the backstabbers and everyone who said I'd never get another job in telly. Sharma, Dimbleby, Dimbleby's brother, my ex-wife's brother, a woman in BBC compliance called Kath or Kate or Cowan who sneered so hard I thought her face was going to turn inside out. And the many people who'll be feeling sick as dogs when they see my face back on TV. My thoughts are with you at this difficult time. This time with Alan Partridge. This Monday night at 9.30 on BBC One. There we go. Lovely stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to quickly mention about Alan's letter to the BBC, uh, a little tidbit that I, I liked. Uh, he mentions John, obviously the, the presenter that he's replacing, uh, and he says, get well, mm. John. I thought it was notable that he doesn't say get well soon because he wants to <laughs> stay, on, stay on telly for as long as possible. Just get well in your own time. Anytime, anytime in the next seven weeks. It's quite nice that they've used sort of social media and internal BBC communication methods to build out that John story and kind of um, mm. talk up his illness. They haven't really used the show itself to do that. They've kind of used those internal channels, which is quite a nice like technique from, from them. Yeah, and also I think it's you know a good example of really good viral marketing because they obviously know that as soon as any BBC member of staff receives an email from Alan Partridge so to speak, um, they're going to put it straight on their social media channels and that stuff's going to get picked up by all their mates retweeted and shared uh, and yeah, quite a few people have also sent me this uh, in the last couple of days. If you email that Alan Partridge BBC email address, you get the following uh, out of office auto reply. I'm not in the office, so both cannot and will not respond to your email. If your email is urgent, perhaps you should have tried calling instead. The very fact you were content to type out your query longhand and settle back to wait for a reply suggests it can wait, even if you put a red exclamation next to your email to make it stand out in my own box. Won't wash with me, that. Just a bit of fun. 
Uh, so we've obviously seen the first 40 seconds of the episode uh, because they have been the trailer. Uh, I've seen quite a few people online complaining that trailer's been overused, but I mean, you know, you can't blame the BBC for getting excited, can you? Does that just mean they've watched it several times on YouTube? How is it overused? That <laughs> I don't get that. No, it does not, does not compute. Um, yeah, and also, and also it's, it's really good. It's funny. Yep. Um, yeah. So a bit of scene setting. So it's 24 years since Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh, it's been a sizable gap since Alan was on the BBC. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously he's desperate for a glass of water. No one is uh, paying any attention to him. And that's a theme that, that we see repeated later in the episode, that it seems that his jokes and his demands are falling on deaf ears uh, amongst the people in the studio. Um, Jenny, obviously his co-presenter, says to him when he's talking about Mid-Morning Matters, I have to say I love what I saw. Um we're kind of set against her from the start, aren't we? Like, she's, mm. she's, she's sort of, she's not inept, but she's a bit kind of uh, aloof uh, in a different way to Alan. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of comes from the fact that, you know, we see the titles for the show this time, and it's the first appearance of, of John Baskell, um, and you see John and Jenny together, um, and uh, I read online that they've been, the, in the fictional world, obviously, they've been presenting that show since 2012, so the titles show a clear right. sort of on-screen friendship and bond, so I think someone coming in from the outside into that situation probably would you know you'd think that they would carry a certain amount of professionalism but in this situation obviously for comic effect she doesn't did anyone else um compare this as well with the actual intro to the one show as someone that hasn't really ever watched the one show um i did quickly watch the intro for it and i think did the if the bbc didn't own both of those properties there genuinely would be legal action it's that simple Well, they, they've nailed it, haven't they? Like with the way the, the studio is laid out, the colours they've used on the screens, and oh, yeah. from, from from the sofa to the table, it's yeah. They, they know exactly what they're doing with that. Also, the uh, the, the kind of the, the chemistry between the two usual presenters uh, reminded me very much of that sort of classic trope of younger woman, older man presenting team mm. that you get. It's Willoughby and Schofield. It particularly reminded me of Des O'Connor and Melanie Sykes as well. Yes, it's, uh, yes. it's very much using using that. Which, weirdly, that you mentioned that, somebody sent me a story yesterday, apparently Steve Coogan and Melanie Sykes are dating. Oh, I saw that on a sort of... Like, cl- is it 1998 again? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that on, like, a sort of clickbaity bottom of a news article today. Oh, it was a trash website that I was... Yeah, yeah. So the news didn't break on the ozone. <laughs> a 90s reference there. there yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't believe that story. I think I'm going to give it a middle miss. Oh! Oh! Um, oh. Terrible. So, um, Terrible. Yeah, uh, we we're talking about the set. I mean, it obviously does look quite slick, but I did think it looks a little bit mid-range. It's sort of like a booper waiting room. Yeah, they haven't got um, they haven't got like a kind of window to the outside world of people walking past <laughs> or a scene of the Thames or something as you'd kind of expect on Mar or indeed the One Show. It looks a bit more nineties budget, doesn't it? I don't know if that's because of genuine production constraints on this time or it was just the look they were going for. I mean, I, I hate to ruin this for you, but you'll find most TV sets where they have a view behind them. Hang on a second. Just are, a you f- about to sh- are you about to, like... I'm about to shatter oh dreams for us. Is this, Jules's, just- is this Jules's Hootenanny's Not Live all over again? <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, they're normally digital screens. Um, so no. I think currently where Good Morning Britain is and... Oh, yeah, so Sunday Brunch, that, that was a genuine view from Whiteley's over West London, but they're now in TV Centre as well. So even that's fake. You can't even believe Sunday Brunch anymore. Oh, just, my God. Just, just, just tell me that Big Breakfast House was real. Don't take that away from me. <laughs> Next thing you'll be telling us, Piers Morgan isn't a genuine ham. <laughs> 
Oh no, he's an utter gammon. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so uh, Alan's first words to camera are "Yeah, mm, mm, mm. because I think I think that he he basically he hasn't been introduced yet, but he can't wait to get involved. So he he starts sort of chipping in before he's really got anything to but say. He he is doing that. I, I mean, obviously this is a joke, but I did think that kind of hmm 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 thing is is the sort of thing that you see on those kind of shows where like they just nod and agree with what the other person is yeah. saying. So whilst mm, it's you know mm, yeah yeah can we do a little bit of outfit watch with Alan yes keen, to, keen so, to discuss this so um, Alan is wearing a blue blazer fine chinos yep. fine yeah. um, sort of a plaid sock again fine and a brown brogue but an awful lime green shirt. So he's I, almost got it right. I, I think he doesn't look too bad, actually. And I did think that his style reflected the fact that probably he had access to hair, makeup and wardrobe, uh, thanks to the BBC. If he was on um, Mid Morning Matters, uh, he'd be all over the place with some of the outrageous um, uh, <laughs> fashion disasters that we've seen him with previously. But I thought he looked OK. The only thing I wasn't sure about was, did anyone notice this kind of, like, tooth... Thing. Yes, yes. I've got some intel on that. I don't know if anyone else has, has done the research. Uh, well, there's a quote from the Guardian interview that Coogan did that I have. Is that what you have? I believe so, yes. Deploy the uh, quote. Okay, well, I mean, that I, it was a question to the group I was going to save to the end, but you might as well dive into it now, which basically, what is that, that tooth pin badge all about? And just before we uh, got on the recording tonight, I picked up, we had a voicemail from uh, an anonymous caller just saying, what's the truth behind the tooth? Which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> um, um, so the answer from, uh, from the horse's mouth, or Coogan's mouth, uh, he said in an interview with The Guardian a couple of weeks ago, it's a small white tooth, a molar with a cartoon face drawn on it. It represents a shadowy showbiz organisation, not unlike the Freemasons, that looks after its members whilst doing... Uh, philanthropic philanthropic works it may never get a mention in the script he says but it's all been worked out and is authentic to the character it's quite mysterious I thought I like that maybe there's more of that to come later in the series Yes, well, he, wow. said, he, said, he said it may not appear in the script. I wonder if they're almost this is this is deep early setup for a future Partridge project. Mm. Oh, huge if true. Yeah, I mean we do know that Gibbons have said that there is another series and other specials coming. They have said that in some interviews recently, so they might be just layering that narrative. Yeah, Very exciting. Well, until then, we're in the safe, capable, and crucially smooth hands of Alan Partridge. <laughs> Which, uh, Very thank you for noticing the hands. Yes. Very yeah. thank you. Yeah. More garbled English. <laughs> Do you think that from the fact that she's a safe, capable, smooth hands, she's obviously showing Alan as a point of difference to John. So not only do I think that she sees Alan as a very sort of easy listening kind of character, mm. but also that he's a contrast to John, who I imagine is rougher and bordier. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> a less capable broadcaster and also he's got chapped hands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 th- I feel we'll spend more time discussing John uh, in future future weeks. Mm-hmm. Just a quick note: um, no aha from Alan. No, and none none in the episode at all. No. Oh, but that's interesting. W- will he get to that point? If, as we as we know, John John is out of the picture later on in this series. Is he going to take over more and more? It's kind of we've kind of touched on that previously. So, I guess stay tuned for that. 
Um, so this is, I think, the first point where they cut to uh, VT and then you see them in the studio. I thought it was interesting because the VT is supposedly a sort of brief introduction package to Alan, what he's about, all that sort of thing. And, and it seems to be primarily made up of clips from Scissor Isle, doesn't it? So I did think, have the BBC have to, had to pay Sky for the rights to show this footage of Alan? No, uh, baby cow would have just given it to them for free. Yeah, yeah, they don't pay, they don't pay for it. Well, that's, um, that's in the real world. Yeah, but they they do this VT references the busy life of Alan Partridge. The two things <laughs> you see of him are doing a bit of walking and some tennis. That is the busy life of Alan Partridge. Well, the the two other things I noted you see you do see him driving with Seldom, which is from uh, yes, and you Seldom also see him in uh, North Norfolk Digital with Rosie Witter as well. So you're saying he is busy. Oh, he's very busy. Um, he's displaying cl- classic nervous behaviour. Uh, he starts to talk about how he's on HD for the first time. Uh, and he's, he seems initially like he's talking about his cracked hands, but it's clear that he's now describing himself and his style as rusty. Uh, Jenny tries to reassure him by saying it's business as usual. And he says, good note, good note, good note, good note. Like that classic, classic nervous behaviour. I did also note that uh, he, he crashes... Oh, ironically, based on what just happened, uh, it takes one minute thirty-five seconds for him to crash. Jenny talking. <laughs> I guarantee we did it uh, quicker this evening, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he has been in HD before, though. I'd like to just um, point out on behalf of uh, Sky Atlantic that they do broadcast in HD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it time to tackle Jenny's first crime? There's been a there's been a theft of a joke here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Alan obviously makes the joke uh, that there are, there are more peas in the sense that she just said than a pensioner's pamper. Um, and uh, oh, quick question to the group: Do you think they sell pampers for pensioners? I've done the research. <laughs> I'm going to uh, go no. Well, yeah, isn't it like tenor lady and tenor man? Oh, someone else has done their research. Yeah. Uh, I'm going no <laughs> sure, as well. Research. Um, <laughs> having Life scrolled, experience. Having scrolled through 70 variants of Pampers on the Boots website, I can tell you that no, they are not available for pensioners. What a shame. Uh, Jenny tells Alan not to bother saying the line on air because they have, and I quote, a lot to get through. Uh, and then she obviously immediately says it. Um, there's an excellent bit of face acting uh, here um, in Jenny's eyes as Alan says, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a married woman. He's like, I was told you were separated. And you see a little glint of pain. It's really, yes. really quick, but, but very, very good. That's, well, it's kind of a, uh, the perfect, like, um, example of Partridge humor because if you look at that line as a script, it, it isn't funny, mm. but it's all in the faces. It's all in the expressions, that joke. Like, written down, there isn't a joke, but when you see it and you see their expressions, that's where... Do you think this is quite out. a clever piece of scripting as well in terms of it sets up, you might think maybe there's going to be some kind of romantic entanglement, and within the first two minutes of the programme, they've essentially shut that storyline down? Well, I... I think my, my kind of view on this in terms of Jenny's relationship with Alan is if you think about the fact that Jenny has stolen uh, that line from Alan and he's, he's annoyed about it, if you think about Alan's relationship with Simon in Mid-Morning Matters, there's an episode where Alan is stealing Simon's jokes and I think that she quickly oh, yeah. is asserting herself as the dominant female and Alan is essentially in, uh, for once, he's not in a position of power and very quickly he realises that he is playing second fiddle to her who's very much the lead. Yeah, and she obviously says, apologises and says it was an accident. So I guess the theory from us here is that it is definitely not an accident. And I guess the fact that that happens again later in the episode suggests it's not an accident, clearly. Yeah, and I think that the look on her face, you, you, you know that it, it's very deliberate. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, do you yeah. think, given the format of this series, that we're likely to get any further intel or storyline about Jenny's ex-partner? It's not. It's not no. her. Ex, it's not <laughs> her ex-partner because he was told she was separated and she isn't. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. You are yeah. bang wrong. <laughs> well, I I presumed. Hang on, though. I presumed she was saying she's still married for the purposes of the TV show, and he's revealed the fact that she is actually separated. Surely that's the way that this. Ooh. I, don't I guess think we can. I, 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 I read think, it in a different way. Yeah. Oh, I see. I don't think he's mistaken. I just think he shouldn't have said it on air. What we that uh, does also what, work. <laughs> what, what we haven't done is actually checked uh, if she's wearing a wedding ring in the episode. So go back. Oh, that's yeah. true. Ooh. Let's, uh, let's do it. Let's do a zoom at some point in the near future. So it's at this point that we finally get to talk about ice pups. Um, which quick question to the group? Oh, would probably, we all yeah. watch ice pups? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've got a note on this saying would watch. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely would watch Ice Pups. It's at this point we are introduced to the first guest, um, which Alan calls Alice Clunt, when in actual fact her name yep. is Alice Flut. <laughs> you can see what he did uh, there. Shall we talk a little bit about, shall we talk oh, a bit about the origin that. of this joke? I believe we've got some intel on, on where this might have come from originally. Yeah, I mean, before we do that, can I just say, I do love this bit of scripts, even if it turns out it's kind of a bit stolen from somewhere else. I still think it's really bloody funny. So we're not it taking that away It seems to be the most quoted thing that, uh, that I've seen people talk about on Twitter as well from last night's episode. And I think Alice Fluck was trending last night as well. <laughs> Can we just say uh, allegedly stolen? I've not said stolen. Tom, why are you saying stolen? <laughs> uh, a, ho- an, a homage, perhaps. A uh, tribute. Let's dive into that uh-huh. then. Who's got the intel? So I think I think the rough outline for this is that uh, Diana Dawes' real name was Diana Fluck, and I think the me- was it the mayor of Swindon or something was presenting was presenting something to her, and somebody told him this. So in exactly what Alan was thinking, he was thinking, right, the name was the name's Fluck, so I must make sure I don't say fuck instead, uh, and then just obviously made the connection to another swear word. So he was like Diana Dawes, or as she was originally known. Diana Fluck, but he said Diana Clunt. And I think uh, a couple of people have been tweeting about that. I think Roger Moore recounted that story in his book, ah. which would make a good Coogan te- nice. connection because we know Coogan is a big fan a of A lovely Moore. homage all round. I think I've, that's broadly, that's yeah. broadly in detail. So, yeah, what I'm saying is it's a loving homage to Roger Moore. <laughs> I also Roger! Found, Roger! <laughs> found a very uh, a very cynical attempt to cash in on this joke on Twitter today, uh, looking for uh, an Alice Clunt. I found one who said, uh, whose first tweet was 21 hours ago. Uh, it says, not to be confused with Alice Fluck. And then a pinned tweet, of all the days to finally start using my real name on social media, I choose this one, hashtag Alan Partridge, hashtag this time, hashtag Fluck it. Now, that's that's not real, is it? That's someone <laughs> just trying to to ride the wave of Partridge. No. And why not? Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, is it at this point that um, Alan starts to defend big business um, when it comes to their history of oil spills in the uh, Exxon Valdez mm-hmm. oil spill, um, mainly because they've basically sponsored a wildlife photography competition? But at that point, Alan says, hmm, maybe it's time to take a fresh look at Shell in the same way he's basically supported Rover in, in the past in shameless plugs on TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I assume, that, I assume that, there's, that no money has changed hands here, but that yeah. doesn't mean that he's not 
not happy to oh he wishes business. money was changing absolutely hands, done in the style of uh, Sprunt's Braver etc yeah that, 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 I mean that basically mm. the, yeah the same it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's an upgrade of the joke he did more blatantly in the Knowing Me Knowing You years isn't it last time he was on the BBC he couldn't resist that cash cow of mentioning brands and uh, yeah the, the habits never left him um, also just a <laughs> quick point uh, there really was a Shell Wildlife Photographer of the Year um, it was originally BG Wildlife Photographer of the Year and uh, then it was Shell then it was Kodak then it was Prudential uh, the first competition was held in 1964 with three categories and 600 entries. Great facts there. <laughs> so obviously, uh, a, little, a little line in this bit that was one of my favourites was uh, when Alan's talking about the seal pups. Uh, and he says, a German U-boat commander would kill for velocity like that. Yeah, because Alan, Alan essentially uh, gets gets the uh, tone of the show wrong, even muttering under his breath, or oh, wrong tone, as he reels off facts such as they weigh um, they weigh a ton, have teeth like daggers, and have a top speed of 20 knots. She's like, mm, not really the tone of the show. <laughs> Alan brings their sort of murderous nature to light by saying that they toss penguins around... Uh, for fun and 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 used to deliver mines in uh, World War Two as well. Not quite the tone, Alan. <laughs> yeah, and he loves them so much. You almost want to give them a name. It's Silas. Yeah, he means a metal <laughs> like Richard. So by the time this yeah. episode goes out, I will have put a poll on Twitter. Which is the better name for a seal? Is it Silas or is it Richard? We'll reveal the results next week. <laughs> Um, also, just a couple of things about Alan during this. Um, obviously, the clunt fluck is one of the more blatant jokes of the episode. Just before that, he also says uh, to her, I, I, I'm, I'm keen, I'm keen to give of my best. I thought it's very much like similar lines in Isle and Alpha Papa, uh, like when he's saying, I, I, I hope to impress you, to Sean Pertwee's police officer, uh, and sidling up to the toff, stately homeowner in Isle as well, basically. He's sort of, you, you get these weird, vulnerable moments where he just sort of admits that he just wants to be liked. Also, as a, as a bonus, um, poll we could do uh, Silas uh, <laughs> do you want to eat him or yeah, where okay. we'll, we'll put them both up <laughs> is it time to talk about Alan's granddad story uh, yes although there's a few there is a few more gaffes on the on, on ice pups that I can uh, reel off uh I think at this point, uh, the, the script is... Uh, the reason we're kind of, I guess we're kind of jumping around a little bit is that, just a note on the script, mm. it's really, really fast-paced at this point. The jokes are flying. It's, it's dense, almost like, it? kind of a little yeah. bit difficult to keep yeah. up. Yeah, and the gaps yeah. keep coming as Alan um, uh, bungles uh, where ice pups uh, live, um, thinking they live near Eskimos when, in fact, they're on Antarctica, at which point he just says, oh, I'm in the Falklands then. Um, essentially, he doesn't have any kind of comprehension or understanding about uh, ice pups and where they live, or indeed Eskimos. Um, oh, and uh, I think also, point, uh, it's, it's important to cool. note that all of his facts about leopard seals seem to relate to, to armed combat or violence. Right up, right up to the point, as you just mentioned, of when he finds out they're not yeah. in the Antarctic, his only frame of reference is the Falkland Islands, because, presumably because of the conflict under Thatcher. That's his, own, that's yeah. his only reference point for geography, is where wars happened. <laughs> so now it's time for Alan's granddad story, which is a bit weird. We've never, he's, we've, he's never talk, talked about a granddad before, has he, that I can remember. This is, this is where we need uh, the archivist oh, to yeah. step in and <laughs> confirm it that the Gibbons employ. Um, because I don't believe they have. I'm sure we'll get picked up on it in, if they have. But I don't. I don't remember any reference to granddad. If we've got this wrong, we'll definitely be corrected. That's yeah. That's yeah. a dead cert. Um, just before we go into the story, there's a line that I particularly like where Jenny says, uh, "You know, they're listening to the sound of a seal." Uh, Jenny says, it, "It almost sounds philosophical." And Alan says, "I don't think that's the right word, Jenny. I think it's remindful, which of course is not a word. It's reminiscent." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, what's the uh, artist that he thinks of? Um, it's uh, Mike Oldfield. Uh, Gary Newman. Then... Gary Newman. <laughs> Gary Newman, that's it. And then Seal. Not sure why I thought of that. Oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> He's remembered. So yeah, Alan's granddad's story, it just sort of rambles to nothing really and he just kind of looks at the camera and just goes, Granddad! <laughs> lost in his own wistful memories. Poor yeah. Alan. He's lost himself and crucially, he's lost the audience. <laughs> um, anyone tuning in the night after this time uh, in order to watch Ice Pups uh, would actually get Series 5, Episode 3 of Shetland in which, and I quote from the TV guide, Sandy feels the heat and Perez becomes convinced that Maguire is the key to cracking the case. <laughs> Brilliant. Would watch. Uh, here's, a, Would watch. here's a quick question to the group. Do you think at least one person will genuinely have tuned into BBC One tonight looking for Ice Pups? Uh, and if the, if the answer is yes, how do we let Nick know that it's not a real programme in a sensitive way? Uh, honestly, if BBC don't commission it, Netflix are blatantly making calls, aren't they, about how they can commission Ice Pups? 300k or we take it to Netflix. Yeah. Uh, j- just a quick update on Alan's temperament. I- I've just written here, Alan is one segment in and already panicked. Steely knows it's not going well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone knows it's not going well. <laughs> and that's before he's even talked about tumble-down farmhouse nestled in the cleavage of bosomy downs. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this is the thing. As, as they're then chatting... Uh, ahead of the farming VT that's going to come up, uh, the panic is really setting in. Farming. This is the point where you get to Alan just singing to himself, drive, drive, drive your car gently down the road, <laughs> merrily, 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 obey the highway code. Thanks. Which, from what I can tell, yeah, is I've not a real song based on anything. No, I've literally got written down there, like, he's just, he's just consoling himself. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like kind of rubbing his legs. And it's like the equivalent of him rocking back and forth on a chair, just like being in a padded cell. <laughs> He's genuinely losing it within minutes of this show starting. And I thought, it's okay, though, because here comes Lynn. Uh, everything's going to be all right. But I tell you what, <laughs> Lynn has changed. <laughs> and, and not for yeah. the better. She is, uh, she is, she's like Lady Macbeth. <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. like a sort of like poison in Alan's ear these days. 
Mm. Also, she describes his performance as solid. <laughs> Even she knows it's only so good. Yeah, and, and uh, that is also uh, a phrase that when Alan used it to describe psychic Simon in Mid Morning Matters was very much being used as an insult. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, I noticed as well the nature of Alan and Lynn's relationship in this clip uh, it, it bears such a similarity to another trope that I think it must be intentional. And that is, it's very much like uh, a boxer trainer relationship between bouts didn't you think that she comes she comes oh, in good, yeah. She's, yeah. Yeah, she's basically the squirt of water in the face the wipe of the mouth guard <laughs> how's it going solid and then you know you can do yeah, this yeah it, it, it really reminded me of you know sort of like little scenes between fights in rocky or something like that I'd, I'd say there is a discussion to have about whether lynn has changed or is this an evolution has she revolved or evolved because think back to things like the news of tony Hayes dying and yes. she's like yes so you know, that thing where she is so on Alan's side at a detriment to anyone else around him. But I think there is an evolution where she's a bit more sinister and almost a bit more vicious with her feelings towards people that are kind of blocking Alan's career. But I, I think, I don't know, I think we need to see more of Lynn to kind of get a handle on how that's all going to develop. Yep, and the next section is we have some messages. Uh, there's quite a few, uh, but the highlight, I think, don't know if you guys agree, is Elsa from Cheshire, um, whose message is, good to see you back on the BBC after your falling out. Um, Alan obviously says that he's just helping out, and if it leads to bigger things, great. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, he loses it and tries to speak to Elsa. Of course, it's a tweet. And then, <laughs> and then I'm sorry, this is one of my highlights of the episode. The gunshot to the head is absolutely yeah. brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, considering he's, he's basically minutes away at this point from calling Simon out for being useless with tech, but at yeah. this point, he doesn't even know the difference between uh, a phone caller and a tweet. So it's at this point that we see... Um, well, the first appearance of Simon Denton. So Jenny kind of says that Simon's going to take a look at the news and Alan has to uh, remind her that it's a, a sideways look at the news. But then Alan says, right, a proper intro. Once in a generation, a genius bursts onto the scene, or a bit more frequently, a fairly gifted person walks <laughs> in. His name is Simon Denton. Like, the biggest backhanded compliment that he could possibly give Simon. Um, although, no reference to psychic Simon, he is now called Simon Denton. Oh, good spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't spot that. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, and you'll also, Alan's the sidekick yeah, now. You, well, yeah, and you'll also mm. know at this point, I mean, obviously this is part of the joke, that's the joke, etc., etc. but he introduces Simon and he slowly walks over to him. There's no intro music, applause, noise. It's just the sound of a man walking <laughs> very slowly over to Simon. Ec- Tons of The echo air. of his footsteps. Yes, exactly. So they've... they've they've clearly done that very deliberately that all you can hear is the footsteps did you count how many steps it takes Alan to get to him <laughs> I did not it's 15 <laughs> that, that, that is a stroll so in, in, the, in the language of television that is a fucking eternity so that's the first example really that we've seen of something that we know which is this, which came from the Q&A when we went to um, see the first two episodes um, one of the Gibbons said that the studio was purposefully designed to be slightly too big um, so that you would get these awkward silences and walks from one end to the other um, so this is the first example of that and we see another one a little bit later on as well uh, we then get the understatement of the episode from Simon as he says, bear with me, Alan, because I'm still getting used to the tech. I mean, Alan has damned him with faint praise in the introduction, but I think Simon is even worse than Alan's introduction uh, warns you. Can we all agree, though, the, the tech wall is massively overly complicated? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
They've not made it easy for him. It's like, how many swipes and clicks and hand symbols and gestures do you need to get through just to get some tweets that it transpires Simon hasn't even saved down? And he's so oh, it's nervous. It's amazing though, isn't it? It's amazing though that the like the choreography and the pace of this, like every movement, every beat, to then just get to that that payoff of no files found. <laughs> I absolutely love this bit. And when he goes back so to the good. home screen, absolutely incredible. Can't swipe the home screen. Uh, did you uh, note uh, what the what would make the show something quite special? Uh, if it was ten percent more like Foxton's, correct. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> um, I thought as well. Simon seems about a hundred times more nervous than Alan, um, and he's obviously untested on TV. It took a lot of training for him to be competent at radio. I wondered if it comes to it later whether Alan would stick up for him or abandon him uh, if, as the series goes on. I think it's interesting you make a good point that you see Alan being the kind of steady hand, the support for Simon and exactly that. Like, how long is that support going to last for? Because I feel like based on this episode alone, Simon is going to be lucky to be here in episode six. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, There's a funny bit from Alan where he says, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you'll know from listening to North Norfolk Digital, dot, dot, dot. Uh, I thought, assuming two million people watch this and North Norfolk Digital generously has 10,000 listeners, that's still 0.5% of the people watching. (laughs) Yeah, amazing. Uh, Another little favourite moment of mine from this section is um, Simon says something in an American, like a Southern American accent, and Alan just says, Northern. (laughs) He can do the lot. Yeah, that's it. He can't. Do one of your jokes, do one of your jokes. Simon uh, Simon helps himself along by eventually just going, bird it, every time he touches a button. (laughs) Seems to be helping calm the nerves. Um, But one of my favourite bits is at the end where uh, where it's all fallen apart and Alan just goes to him, it's just amateur, isn't it? (laughs) Simon replies, I think so, yeah. As if he's still trying to sort and solve the problem. But he's crucial at the end of it, he goes, are we still going to do the papers? No, there are no papers. (laughs) No. Oh dear! Oh, uh, is it at this point that we um, go to one of uh, Alan's uh, VTs where we do actually get to see the VT, yes. um, where yeah. Alan asks uh, one of the big questions that I think we've all been asking, which is why are clean hands important? And that's because humans are the most effective incubators of bacteria after imported meat. And crucial to note here, not meat imported <laughs> meat, suggesting foreign. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, I love the fact that in the uh, in the VT he's he's having a wee he's washing his hands he's drying his hands but he's not having a wee he doesn't wash his hands and he also doesn't dry them it's all mine yeah because he he doesn't use he doesn't I use soap does he no. I think he just runs his hands under water and also I when he's that. he's miming like zipping up after weeing and he does like this weird like bob up and down on his knees it's very odd. Um, this might. This is uh, sorry. This is probably me being very stupid. But after the pee or poo has landed, that is not a legitimate rhyme that's ever been used before. Now is it? No. Just uh, just checking. No, I, I I did Google it. So that's that's a good one for the search history. And the top result I got after uh, this time with Alan Partridge was uh, the question: What does it mean when you poop and pee at the same time? Ah. Oh. <laughs> What does it mean? Well, You're in well, trouble. I'm glad you asked. Uh, the, answer, the answer was listed below. It, it's, it is basically due to the amount of muscle power needed for each. Poop is solid and larger than pee, so you need a lot more force to do so. And you basically use all the same muscles for both. So pooping activates all of them, and with more force, so you're going to pee at the same time. Not my Thanks words, the words Tom. of the internet. <laughs> Um, this w- facial reactions have been a big part of uh, part 
Partridge-Huma for a long, long time. But Alan's reaction as he's walking down the street and you hear Partridge, you wanker. Oh. Not only is that obviously a callback to uh, I'm Alan Partridge and it's you know a joke that we've heard um, in seasons gone by from farmers, but his facial reaction to that is genuinely brilliant. A top-notch grimace. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact they've put a callback into a line from 20 years yeah. ago. That is one for the proper fans. That's really good. Yeah, I think um, that, was, that was another thing that was picked up quite a lot in the Twitter reactions to to to, to us was the the nod to Partridge Wanker, or sorry, mm. the the nod yeah. to I'm Alan Partridge. Yeah. Um, another kind of recurring theme of Alan's is that he he never lets a good joke get out without accuracy getting in the way. Uh, so there's a line here: uh, a filthy reputation based not on pole dancers from Lapland, more lap dancers from Poland, Poland. Has to explain the joke. There, there's some other great uh, pronunciation things in this segment as well. You have water and also antibiotics. Antibiotics. Um, and also, he says, uh, imagine ordering not. Oh, wait, next, when you went to a newsagent, imagine ordering not a can of Coca Cola, but a can of Coca Cholera. So I thought, question to the group when was the last time you went into a newsagent and ordered anything? <laughs> Good point. Um, but the uh, the deep analysis of antibiotics doesn't stop there. Uh, they have to visualise how they've lost their potency by uh, the graphic of a man essentially giving a box of chocolates to a woman and demonstrating about how that can lose its <laughs> potency after t- roughly twenty times. I think this bit is fine. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, oh, I really, did you? I really liked okay. it. I, yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought it was all right. I thought that was quite a classic part. I thought the, the preamble in Soho there wasn't a huge amount going on there. I thought the animation was good, but it, the animation looked almost too cool for the show didn't you think I thought they would have they would yeah. have something that was a bit more clip arty for this time I, I did like Alan in the Petri dish though that just yeah, made that me feel was like I was watching Brass Eye for a few seconds yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. his study as well shows that it's by the 20th time that the chocolates have little to no potency with the miffed woman and I thought um, given that he's he's mentioned that it's it's an angry wife for the purposes of this demonstration he must be talking about Carol right He's done this, hasn't he? He's done this. Bitter experience has shown him that that chocolates (laughs) will only get you to the the 20th (laughs) green Then then switch to flowers and you're back at number one again. Um, It's just the point that Alan decides to uh, take matters into his own hands, literally, and conducts an in-person study at the BBC of whether men have wiped their hands after peeing. Yes, and one of the interviewees at the BBC is actually uh, real-life Neil Gibbons, yep, little playing cameo. BBC staffer. Yep. Again, I think this bit is fine. Didn't really do much for me. Yeah, it's not hilarious. I mean, I like the fact that he has to have a woman with a clipboard just so that he doesn't look either predatory or that there's ambiguity around him. I think that was quite a good joke. But otherwise, yeah, it was a little bit like something of nothing. Yeah, um, and also I thought th- I thought this scene must be torture for a man of Alan's cleanliness. This is absolute Russian roulette, shaking hands with strangers. Mm. Um, but also very important that for his study to be thorough, he asks people if they've used the toilet and if, uh, if they've washed their hands. And if they say yes, he does shake their hand. And I think that's because he doesn't trust them. Yeah, he doesn't believe them, no. does he? Um, yeah, the lady with the clipboard is called Thera. There's a very quick joke there. Sort of quite a basic joke, but it, it's a bit of fun. Uh, uh, it's good. I think the fact that you know she says oh it's Arabic gives it a bit of gravitas. But otherwise, I think I think they're better than this joke. To be honest, I, I, I think that it's it's not one of their finer moments. I, I don't think. So, do we leave this section and uh, go say to hygiene? Uh, yes, just brief to the British school. Just briefly to say. Just briefly to say that uh, in the voiceover, he says the BBC employs some 20,000 people and not all of them are going to wash their hands. Just thought it was good that that's consistent with the number of BBC employees mentioned in his, his real email oh, to yeah, real yeah. BBC good employees. Spot. Yep. 
also, I mean, if that's the summary of the study, you could probably just have said that from the start. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, so yeah, Alan goes to the British School of Hygiene in Swindon. A couple of things to mention here. Um, I, uh, you may remember, um, said that the Longstanton Spice Museum did exist because I found a website for it. <laughs> well, I couldn't find a website for the British School of Hygiene in Swindon, therefore I'm going to suggest it doesn't exist. <laughs> what I also like so money on the table, it doesn't exist. Money on the yep. table here. Okay. And what I also like is, you see at this point, Alan basically blowing his nose and throwing uh, the rag just on the floor, <laughs> despite proclaiming massive uh, issues around uh, uh, hygiene. The timing of that line is so good, isn't it? It's Swindon, beat while he blows his nose, and then pick up the voiceover again. <laughs> Absolutely precision engineered. And it's things like the, the hygiene, hygiene gag. It's so, it's, it's a bit simple, it's a bit silly, but again, the way it's acted, the way it's performed and the timing of it, you just can't help but laugh when it happens. Yeah, it's, it's less about... And there's a bit of facial reaction as well. Yeah, less about the words and more about how he handles <clears throat> delivering the joke. Uh, I, I mean, another weird one where, he, where, where she gives examples of ti- uh, times you should wash your hands after going to the toilet, after handling raw meat, and then he says, and that's separate, isn't it? That's not a euphemism for the first one. I mean, again, it's, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's funny, but it's fairly, yeah. fairly straightforward. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think more classic partridge is where she starts referencing the World Health Organization and just goes, here you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, they're, when they're like, you have to wash your hands for 20 seconds, he goes, 15 is fine. I thought that's a rare example of Alan being less sanitary than someone else as well. Um, I, I picked up the research. There really is a seven-page World Health Organization guide to hand-washing best practice. Amazing. Uh, they actually say the whole process should take 40 to 60 seconds, so Alan would be even more outraged. Um, that is too long. Also yeah. on the research train, I just checked uh, whether uh, handling raw meat is slang for uh, going to the toilet. Turns out that, according to Urban Dictionary, raw meat is slang for a white man's dick. Feel free to expand <laughs> on my investigation in your own time. I, I have nothing to add to that, but I was wondering... The, his hatred of the World Health Organization, I wonder if that's grounded in a Nigel Farage kind of characterization because I'm sure uh, he's been quite vocal about, oh, the WHO telling us what to do, one of those sort of things. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's where they've got that from. Oh, okay. It's a long sort of, oh, mm. here come some rules from Brussels I have to abide by. Yeah, sort exactly of that. Disgruntled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. Okay. Um, <laughs> obviously, we're getting into the, the most erotic section of this week's show. Uh, as Jean demonstrates washing her hands in a short clip that has Alan all of a lather. Do we think that Alan fancies Jean, or is it just about the cleanliness, or is it the, or is it the combination of the foaminess and the grunting noises, or is it all of those things? Uh, I, I definitely think it's, it's purely the hygiene that he's finding immensely stimulating, yeah. uh, even to the point where she's like, oh, we can go wash our hands. Uh, he's like, no, 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 we, we mustn't. We mustn't. <laughs> this is absolute, like, absolute fetish territory for Alan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, did anybody have a list of the other things that he asked her if it's necessary to wash your hands after doing? Slapping a butcher on the uh, back. It's after changing a baby's nappy, handing over cash to a man on a ferry, <laughs> and slapping a, slapping a butcher on the back and saying cheers for the cheap chops. Now, this might be a deep dive too far, but we know that Bannon's the Butchers sponsors his Midmorning Matters show. So are we to take from this that he can't even get a free chop from the sponsor of his own radio show he still has to pay hence thanks for the cheap <laughs> I would, chops I would assume so yeah. uh, and then we go from hygiene to bye Jean bye Jean uh, with a slow motion uh, handshake that looks embarrassing and limp yep uh, <laughs> yeah and a kind of um, uh, repeat of the after the pee and poo has landed which I found a little bit odd as it just goes really high at the end and just thought uh, a bit weird 
Yeah, stuff like that would make sense if Pear Tree Productions were making it. Yeah. Not the yeah. BBC. There's a few of which these things, I'll come I, mean, back I didn't really to. mention yeah. it earlier, but there is a couple of things that don't really make sense. Things like, even though it's funny, and obviously you, we're probably going into too much detail on this, but the BBC are never going to let uh, BP and Shell uh, oil disasters be confused. I think there's there's technical things that just would never fly here that Alan wouldn't be responsible for that would be picked up, but we're probably just going too far into it now. Okay, so it's we're back in the studio and it's time for Mime. Yeah, bit of a bit of physical comedy here. Mm-hmm. I am um, uh, uh, not not to plug my own interview, but I made this exact point on BBC Five Live this morning <laughs> on the breakfast show with Nicky Campbell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Still available on BBC Sounds. I didn't. I just had to. You just had to say that. Um, I actually think Steve is a bit of an underrated physical comedian. Um, sort of sliding off the chair in mid-morning matters, uh, running away from Jed Maxwell, jumping over the fence. Um, yeah, he's he's actually a pretty pretty solid mm. physical comedian, which isn't something that he normally gets a lot of um, a lot of props for. Although, actually, having said that, he was just obviously just in Stan and Ollie, where he does a bit of physical comedy as well, and he's very very good in that. I think is it is it fair to say, uh, and we'll get to this a bit in a bit about how much people liked or didn't like the show. Coogan's performance in this time so far has been absolutely stunning. Oh, amazing. Because you've got these big physical moments, but then you've also got the timing of delivery of script, and then you've got these amazing subtle facial moments as well. He's literally covering all the bases of comedy performance. And it's so fast-paced as well. Like, it's just like beat after mm. beat after beat, moment after moment after moment, reaction after reaction. And it's just like, he doesn't... I don't, obviously, you know, these things are rehearsed within an inch of their life. They're scripted heavily. They're rehearsed... And... and um, they would have done maybe multiple takes, and obviously there's some there's some editing going on. But it's it's I think it's an amazing performance from Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And so this later bit bit of physical comedy is him uh, trying to prove that you can perform an ablution without using your hands. Um, <laughs> Good use of the word ablution as well, which uh, Alan is definitely a fan yeah, of. I'd love An- another common another common Alan trope. I'd love to see uh, how many takes this took, and also please, mm. please, can we one day view all the outtakes of this? Because I think it would be brilliant. Um, and I love that he gets almost the whole way through before saying, "I don't need to show you the whole thing." Just the general <laughs> gist. Uh, at that point, he spent yeah, just experiment. Yeah, he, he, he spent forty six seconds up to that point doing the mime, or two point two point five percent of the entire show. <laughs> yeah, very good. Paper, paper, uh, paper. My, uh, my uh, one of my favourite bits in that point is again just something that isn't said, but it's just where the camera pans back to Simon just for a brief moment where yeah. he's looking incredibly awkward to camera as Alan's like uh, unfolding this whole charade. So good. Um, I think I think my my favourite moment in particular because I can really uh, connect with it was checking for the water in the train toilet before soaping. I think that's a very good <laughs> bit of advice. Good. Very important because if you just end up with soap in your hands and there's no water, you're not in, you're not going to have a good journey. Tacky train hands. We've yeah. all been there. Um, Simon gets an email again. It's from the press office of Shell. Uh, <laughs> the way he reads this out is almost Baldrick from Blackadder esque. Like he's got no concept of the consequences of the words that he's saying. Um, but uh, I, al- <laughs> yeah. I also like that the, uh, the Shell Shell seems so unprofessional that they include the phrase "arse bill" was for 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I'm, I really wonder how they got away with this because I would have, well, not assume they had to clear it, but given that they're presenting false information about oil spills as a joke, but I just wondered about the legality and, and how you kind of navigate but, all of that. But then aren't they clarifying it by having the correct companies attributed to the, the spills that they were responsible for? So they do actually clear it up within the confines of the script. 
They, they do, but I, so just, just I was just curious. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> at, they, there is a point where it's presented as fact uh, when it isn't fact. And what if I change channel? <laughs> <laughs> just don't. But, yeah. let's, then, let's, you're, then you're to blame for spurning Alan. Much, yes. much like the poor animals in the oil spills, let's ne- not get bogged down in this too much. <laughs> yes. Should, okay. we, should we move on to gambling instead? Gamble let's chat. To gambling. Uh, I'll, I'll start yeah. us off with my favourite line from this section from Alan. Uh, some very posh people and another group of people that aren't very posh but who want to dress like and be near posh people. His description I of Asgard. Well, I thought that's actually yeah. Alan himself, isn't it, really? Uh, that kind of upwardly mobile to aspiration to, it, to a degree, to a degree. I think it is to a degree, but I also think that it's a subtle dig at anyone that goes to a day at the races where you've got two types of people. Oh, yeah. One people that have money and one people that very much don't have money but like to think they do for a day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, not sure it's a continuity thing but I noticed that when they cut to all the other VTs but we stay in the studio up to this point you see the VT that they that is going on in the background but this time when they're talking about uh, betting terminals you don't see the video behind them they obviously didn't film any scenes to show in the background well because obviously they're, they're setting up for the the link with uh, yeah. Ruth so I, I don't know it, actually in reality they so if you were, say, in the real one, one show studio, normally you would see those on the screens, but because they're setting the link I see. They need that. having another presenter they on screen, they screen would have them Ruth. there. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Because I need to know that it's all working properly, yeah. So that's fine. Any, anyone got a note about uh, why Ruth uh, might be upset with Alan? Uh, <laughs> yeah, is it because he splashed Shandy on her at the Pride of Britain Awards? <laughs> and she took it badly, and since then has disagreed with everything he says. Uh, we should also quickly yeah. talk about uh, the second instance of Jenny stealing one of Alan's jokes uh, uh, yeah. while they're at the VT. He's once again left left on his own, abandoned in the middle of the show that he's presenting. Um, he, <laughs> he makes a joke about uh, one-armed bandit slash why haven't they banned it? Uh, and uh, it seems like Jenny hasn't actually heard it, but then as soon as they're back on camera, she's stolen it uh, and, and he is visibly runkled by that. She's cold. She's cold and cunning. She knows. Yeah, she must be telepathic, to which he just says, he just must says, be. must be. <laughs> <laughs> He's absolutely fuming, isn't he? I, I just yeah, can't wait to see how this relationship is going to develop over the, the rest of the series. Um, yes, as we mentioned, Alan has previous beef with Ruth, the fixed betting terminals correspondent. Um, she appears to be broadcasting from a bet to score store. Now, that is a company that is real. Uh, it's, uh, it, it used to provide soccer, soccer betting tips. Uh, it's on Twitter and it was seemingly abandoned in 2012. Did, um, did anyone else really feel like they were rooting for Alan in this section when he's trying to get Ruth to finally agree with him? I, I was really with him on that. I've got the exact same note. Again, it's one of those situations where in a disagreement that Alan has i feel like the audience are meant to be on his side yeah because she's being unprofessional she's being really sort of annoying and and like purposefully trying to not sabotage the interview but make it more difficult for alan Hmm. it's also probably the only moment of pure victory he has in this whole half an hour isn't it yes uh yeah apart from possibly (laughs) when he says oh look this giraffe's giraffe's why niggas neck in in a minute but that uh, is very good that's that's very short-lived um (laughs) it's it's a tricky one with ruth though because everything she says to contradict alan is true so it's not like Mm. she's she's true lying i wonder if perhaps she's actually kind of oblivious to alan and even the fact that she's doing it or am i am i being too nice if if that's if well were that the case does it not kind of seem unnecessary that they would make the Pride of Britain joke. I think that's the joke, like, he's upset her and she's taking it out on him live on air by 
trying to outsmart him, but in reality, just coming across as difficult and unprofessional. Sounds fair. Um, uh, at the end of that interview, he says, uh, so more from Ruth tomorrow. And she says, I'm off tomorrow. And he goes, well, the day <laughs> yeah. after then. So this set off a few questions. Does this mean that this show is daily in the Partraverse, uh, but weekly in real life? Or the APU, the APU. Adam, the APU. or is, is, is <laughs> Alan, like he was earlier with the tweeter, mistaking his daily radio show for his weekly BBC TV show? I'm not quite sure. I, 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 think, the, I think you've got it right with the first option there. I think in the APU, as we are now calling it, or the past reverse as we used to call it, uh, yeah, I think it's a daily show and it is essentially the one show. Uh, yeah, although what that does mean, when we get to episode two next week... Does that mean five shows will have passed, or will it? Is it supposed to be the next day? Yeah, it's unclear. And I can't, I, I, I can't remember from having seen it once at the screening. So something to talk about next week. Um, so at this point, we go to another section on uh, where Lynn essentially enters, and, and one thing that tickled me is Alan just says, "Apropos of nothing, <laughs> is Paul McCartney watching?" I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Which, a, how would anyone know? But B, just a classic like name for Alan's throw out there. Like it could have been Bernard Matthews, it could have been Roger Moore, it could have been anyone from kind of uh, Alan's list of people that he respects. Just well, it, it, hoping they watch. It's quite a high class name for Alan. It's normally someone like Eamon Holmes, isn't it? Yeah. So he's, he's reaching slightly above. Sometimes I wonder if this is just the writers name checking a hero of theirs to try and get a response through the character of Alan. Is it just that Neil <laughs> Rob Gibbons would love to hear from Paul McCartney? <laughs> Um, so should we just delve quickly into uh, this Lynn section? What she so she comes out saying yeah. to Alan, "That's twice. That's twice she's pinched your joke." And she says she, Jenny is taking his strength. Yeah, she's trying to rob um, him of his strength. That, yeah, saying that she's like Delilah, that slag from the Bible. <laughs> now I had a question about. I, I think I had two two questions from uh, this bit of script. One, would Lynn actually say slag? I'm not sure about that. Two, she's using it probably in a biblical. I think sense. she also used it in Alan Partridge, didn't she? <laughs> Or sluts. Did she? But, yeah. Did she? Yeah. You remember Alan's drunk girlfriend that Lynn has to put in a cab outside the shape party? Oh. Yes. I, I, I think, I think yeah. she's used okay, similar so, language. So this, okay, so this is perhaps, it's the evolution of the Gibbons phase, Lynn, that we're getting here, where she will call people a slag or a slut. Um, my other query was, does Lynn really think that Alan's jokes are his strength? You've got to query that. I mean, if they're not, then what is... <laughs> That's pretty much all he's got. <laughs> yeah, no, fair point, fair point. Uh, so then she meets Jenny for the first time and has a sort of slightly passive-aggressive exchange where she uh, says that uh, Jenny's dress, she recognises it, she saw someone outside the train station wearing it, uh, the woman outside the train station was smoking a cigarette. I mean, we're basically bu- uh, we're building to her implying <laughs> that it's a prostitute's dress, aren't we? She's saying she looks like a hooker, yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's not yeah. beat around the bush. Does Jenny know that she's getting done here by Lynn? Because uh, it's hard to tell if she knows. I was what's wondering happened. this as well. So, I, my my view on this is that um, if you think in 2019, where prostitution takes a very different form, it's not people hanging around train stations uh, smoking cigarettes. It's done on the in a, a digital sphere. So, I think Jenny presumably has very little understanding or experience of prostitution. Therefore, the joke <laughs> is over her head. Whereas anyone over the age of about 40 will have a working knowledge of the fact that prostitutes used to hang around on the street corners or train stations and would smoke possibly with matching tops and lipstick <laughs> great analysis nick <laughs> yeah can't, i can't can't fault that uh, guys i am prepared to do research but only in the area of prostitution <laughs> 
I, I think my takeaway with this, I just don't think Jenny cares what Lynn thinks of her. That's probably the ultimate. Maybe, yeah. Summary, yeah. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. And then um, start, I, uh, earlier on, she says, uh, you know, I oh, no, is it in this bit? I can't remember where she says, um, I, I'm Alan's PA. I'm allowed to be here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's been thrown out before, mistaken for, for a member of the public, isn't she? Yeah. Um, uh, getting on to the, the introduction of the uh, hacktivist, uh, Alan says, why would someone spend time and effort on something that doesn't earn them money? So I thought, question to the host of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge <laughs> fan podcast, which barely covers its costs. Why would someone spend time and effort on something that doesn't earn them money? Um, Don't know. Next question. <laughs> um, it's also worth noting that in a few minutes, he'll be claiming some of us are motivated by nothing more than a quest for the truth. So <laughs> That's why I do this podcast. <laughs> a quest for the truth. Oh, and, and, so, and so Nick can thoroughly research prostitution. That's the answer. Yes. That's the main aim. Yeah. That's the main aim. It just took 60 hours to get yeah. there. Quite glad you didn't go on Five Live now. So, uh, again, awkward spacing and loud footsteps make Alan's approach to the hacktivist extremely awkward. He also, the set design means he has to double back on himself, which I think is absolutely <laughs> yeah, incredible. Did he, did, he, did he spot on the, the very last step that he goes up? He's, he has to stretch his legs so far, his shoe barely even makes it. It's brilliant. So good. Uh, as he's uh, delivering the killer line, uh, this guest doesn't lack the Mac or Knack to hack or crack. Let's put him on the rack. <laughs> so after a brief exchange with the uh, hacktivist, uh, Alan tries to play on his sympathies by showing a picture of uh, a schoolboy um, who is called Edward Finton Quayle. We've never heard of him before, and it's fair to say neither as the, as the hacktivist. But the point Alan is trying to make here is that uh, poor Finton, uh, sorry, poor Edward's dad hadn't made his bonus and therefore missed out on a place at a Charterhouse school, which very much reminded me of um, Alan's hands around Norfolk in Mid-Morning Matters where Tristram didn't make his bonus, yep. um, which Alan kind of used as a kind of example of how people are genuinely suffering in this country by missing out on bonuses and kids not going to um, going through private education. Um, he challenges the hacktivist uh, to apologise because uh, he believes that cybercrime is behind... Uh, Edward's dad not getting his bonus. Um, Bizarrely gives Edward Finton Quayle uh, the nickname Finte. Finte. Will you not apologise to Finte? Finte? (laughs) Uh, Which made me think... I hated that bit. Oh, I liked it a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I liked it. Why didn't you like it? it Poor Finte. I I don't know. I mean, you know what? There there are so many points in this show, and always with Alan, where some things are just a bit silly and a bit stupid. And I think it very much is a personal thing whether they land or whether they don't. And for me, that just didn't quite gel. Fair enough. I know you guys all like that bit, so... I will always respect someone that tries to outsmart the other person with grammar. Oh, yeah, tries to use the old double negative (laughs) on him. Um, Do do you think... Yeah, that's fair. Do you think we can take from this exchange that Alan knows Finte and his dad? Or has he just... (laughs) That's a a stock image, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, got you. Um, a lovely, a lovely bit here that a few people have picked up on on Twitter, where um, Alan's being challenged on uh, whether he's ever taken a stand for anything. Uh, he says that he once yeah. stood in front of a digger uh, to protect some greenbelt land from being turned into a leisure centre, uh, just like the people in Chinaman Square. <laughs> yeah, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. It's it's a really subtle bit of script, but like you don't, I don't think you necessarily even uh, pick up on it first time you're watching either, because it's quite quick. Very quick. Yeah, it's very good. You can absolutely uh, imagine he yeah. misheard that some. 30 years ago and has been saying it ever yes. since 
Is it? He, he also says, "What have you actually?" Sorry, he says, "What have you actually done to make a difference?" To which he kind of awkwardly looks to the side and just goes, "Just talk people about hygiene." <laughs> <laughs> um, is it time for the bombshell that Alan is on the third lowest wage at North Norfolk Digital? It is. I he's mean, on, surely he's on two k less than Wally Banter. Yes, and surely this means that only the late night hosts are below him in salary, which means Dave Clifton must be on more. <laughs> well, we know, we know, but then Beverly Backton's one of the top earners as well. Yeah. So may, maybe so he's on the third. So if he's, he's, below, he's on the third lowest wage, Tom, not the third highest. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. almost everyone's above him. I think the only people that are below <laughs> him are the people literally taking you through the night, like he used to. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, <laughs> uh, and I just enjoyed—I just enjoyed Wally Banter getting a reference. I thought that was a good bit of a, a good bit of consolidation of the APU. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so Alan obviously gets the this time gig, and he immediately takes to his email and fires one off to Eamon Holmes, Sue Barker, Richard Hammond, Delia Smith, and also Google's what John Inverdale's salary is. Yep. Uh, before then, becoming uh, Facebook friends with Jenny, the co-host, and, uh, assuming and she assuming she accepts that request. Yeah. Well, he no. he, he then fires he then fires off a message to her as well. Uh, that bit though, when um, uh, he says uh, about the Facebook request, he just goes, "Mickey, please." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what I thought was interesting about uh, all the emails where he's emailing saying he's back in he's back in the big time that is a joke that is recycled from Nomad. Quite a few people pointed that out. Uh, I mean, I think I don't think it matters. I think it's funny and it works and it's just in keeping with Alan. But I think a lot of pe- well, not a lot of people, a few people have tweeted us saying they think it's a bit lazy that they've recycled direct, a direct gag, but it's fine. Um, the, he's. Alan's obviously had a Gavin mask made. He exposes Gavin, who's, who's <laughs> up to this point had a giraffe mask on that Alan's mistaken for a, a mouse's mask. Uh, he's done the interview on condition of anonymity. Uh, Alan obviously clearly planned to unmask him all the way through this interview. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had a mask of his face made. Uh, so I wondered, he can't be that surprised when Gavin then walks out of the interview. Um, but he is. And I assume that was, that was always the plan. Uh, you know, kind of like that's, that was always the way it was going to go. Um, so yeah, I assume that was he, he was planning for that eventuality. But then, oh, what, pursuing a chicken and chasing him into the lifts, and then uh, obviously uh, the interview is terminated, and Alan goes, oh, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." But then he quickly sees his opportunity to watchdog this interview and chases him down the hallway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he he pulls the classic uh, newsnight trick of just repeating the same question over and over again. Uh, yeah, which is is quite apt given who we're about to meet in the lift as well. Uh, but yeah, he's going off grid. He's going free range, pursuing a chicken. Uh, it makes me wonder. I, I, at this point, I wondered what Jenny had had planned for the next three minutes of the episode that she never gets to deliver. <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, and yeah, he's in the lift. Uh, it goes, oh gosh, look, and it's Emily Maitlis who uh, hosted the Q and A with Steve Coogan and the Gibbons brothers when we uh, went to the BBC to uh, watch this time. Um, we know there's other cameos coming up, right? Monty Don is going to be in a future episode, we understand. Well, ba- based on him putting his own spoiler on Instagram, yes. There we go. <laughs> um, Alan's in the lift with Emily. Make this. He rolls the dice and asks for her email. I love that he didn't ask for a number. And also, if she's at the BBC, she's probably got a publicly available email he could have got. Yeah, he could yeah, just look it up. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I've got written down. And yeah, I mean, you could just guess it. Yeah, yeah. I also yeah. love though that she said no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the time they get to the bottom of the lift, Gavin escapes. Alan seems to have forgotten he was even ever chasing him. Um, 
Well, he's, be- he's become a lift porter by this point. Yeah. So somebody, I mean, he's a, someone asked for floor three earlier and he turned around saying anybody else. And there's a guy at the end who asked for five, please, who I did note was also one of the BBC staffers here costed outside yes, the toilet. Yes, I noticed earlier. that as well, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually think this is a bit of a weak ending to a really good opening episode. Does anybody else agree? I think it just kind of, it, it, it sort of just mm. trails off a little bit and it it didn't quite work for me, to be honest. I mean, since that kind of brings us to the end of the episode anyway, is now a good time to pick through just quickly perhaps our best and worst moments from the episode? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay. For me, it's it's very quick, it's short, but I think the exchange of uh, the clunt, fluck, fuck made me laugh out loud every single time I watched it. Uh, it's just the timing on that li- uh, those lines is just perfect. Uh, the worst bit for me was the interview with the hacktivist overall. I just thought... Particularly him having a giraffe mask on made it so over the top it kind of dragged me out of any realism that there was in the show uh, because they just wouldn't put a silly mask on him like that. If it was a Pear Tree production show, they probably would, but this is supposed to be made by the BBC, so that's just not what they would do. Adam? Fair enough. Uh, I'd say my favourite bit was the split second where Simon returns us to the home screen of the digital wall uh, for the first time. Um, worst moment, I thought the, the the first half of the cholera VT piece in Soho wasn't particularly engaging. And I agree with Tom Stab that uh, the episode, it, it petered out once he, once he was into his sort of third minute in the lift. Nick? Um, for me, I think seeing Psychic Simon overall um, was probably one of the highlights. Um, what I did think was interesting is that he does seem like a different sort of version of Simon um, we haven't seen those kind of like it, it was interesting to see that he's now a kind of more nervous and incompetent character whereas actually he has helped kind of uh, ground Alan and has actually kind of almost helped prop up Alan previously so I'm going to be curious to see where they take Simon but I really enjoyed seeing him uh, and yeah I kind of echo what you were saying earlier Tom about the hacktivist such- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Just I agree with everything that you said, but also it just wasn't that funny for me. It was, mm. it was fine. 
Tom Sapp. Uh, my favourite bit was probably the ablutions dance. Um, I just yeah. the, the, the physical comedy of that, and like I said, so I think Steve is a bit of an underrated physical uh, comedy performer. I thought that was excellent. I like Adam. I said I would love to see the outtakes of that, and I'd, actually, I would just love to know how long that took to put together because it's quite an intricate piece of choreography, and to nail that would have been quite difficult, I think. Um, and then yeah, everyone else has mentioned it. I've mentioned it. I think the hacktivist bit it just goes on a bit too long. Um, I think Tom makes a good point about how the mask sort of takes you out of any reality um, and then it goes into the lift as well which is a shame because I think on the whole and again we can sort of talk about this um, I think it's a really strong episode I think it's a really strong launch I really enjoyed it I laughed a lot um, you know having watched it at the BBC coming back to it and watching it a couple more times I still found it funny um, and yeah it's just a shame that this end bit maybe trailed off a little bit but on the whole really really strong I think uh, super. So as uh, listeners know, we have a Monkey Tennis hotline and we're very keen to hear from you. Um, we'll give you the contact details at the end of the episode. Uh, but yeah, your your early reactions to each episode of this time, your comments, your theories, your questions. Um, so I'm now going to throw to Tom Dark, who I believe has a couple of messages lined up. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, three phone calls here. Uh, the first one is from uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. Hi, yeah, it's Matt Fitzpatrick from Ilkley. Um, just finished watching the first episode of Alan Partridge this time. Absolute triumph. Highlights included Psychic Simons, impossibly bad use of the video wall, and trying to find Twitter and then go back to the start. And I think the best line in it was when he said, rumours I separated, had me howling out loud. And then to finish it off with him being a lift conductor, just taking orders from the general punters, getting in the lift, just had it all really fantastic um, and can't wait for the next episode um so that that's matt and then uh our next call this is graham from swindon graham from swindon here i just wanted to uh feed back on the show um being from swindon i'm a bit of a hygiene expert as you know we're hygiene experts here i must say the emily clunt fluck thing is just one of the funniest things i think i've ever seen partridge do it's fantastic uh it was a pretty good episode, all in all. Um, I just wanted to put a theory out there, fan fiction, before uh, anybody else got there. I'm, I'm intrigued as to this whole uh, Michael, the Geordie situation that you mentioned in the podcast, and whether we'll actually um, see him make an appearance in a later episode with a sort of Harold Bishop amnesia situation going on. Putting that out there, it's probably never going to happen, and uh, and but I just thought it would amuse you. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep it brief because no doubt you've uh, you're going to get trillions of messages from all your followers. But uh, yeah, cheers. Uh, well, that theory is uh, quite the bombshell, so we'll just have to wait and see what might happen. And then our last call. Uh, this is from an anonymous mystery caller. Hello, this is an anonymous person. I wish to remain anonymous. I uh, just was calling to say. I think he should have more producer Jed on the show. Um, he is my favourite part of each and every episode, the one word he gets. In fact, I think you should increase the word limit to maybe eight or nine words at the very least. Or um, if there's ever an episode where he doesn't have a word, maybe give him like 20 in the next episode to make up for it, because that's, uh, um, that's what people want. Okay. Bye, guys. And that is Jed basically saying that the producer Jed should have more words. I disagree with that that viewpoint. Oh, I think we all disagree <laughs> with that. 
Is he the crank caller? <laughs> he is now. <laughs> um, I've had a little sift through the uh, the critical reaction to episode one of this time. Uh, so the Daily Mirror called it a real letdown. Uh, he said, I just didn't believe in the setup. The one show is parody enough already. There's no way the BBC would turn to someone like Partridge as a stand-in. Um, but it was a slightly different story at uh, the broadsheets. The Guardian gave it five stars and said it's an excruciating white knuckle ride. The Times gave it five stars and said the evolution of Alan Partridge continues and it's magnificent the telegraph gave it five stars and said it's the bbc comeback show for alan register to read this article or log in with your telegraph account and yeah just to give a brief overview on the reaction that we've had through social media as well i'd say it's been probably about 80 percent positive uh, a few choice quotes from people um felt like a grand tour of classic partridge tropes but never felt recycled such clever writing i think they perfectly balanced a fresh format with classic alanisms uh someone else saying some of the jokes are a bit obvious but still loved it uh gremlin of ganja saying probably an unpopular opinion but felt like coogan mailed that one in a lot of rehashed material uh and joe simpkins said uh promising dynamic co-presenter especially alan's barely contained rage at her joke thievery some brilliantly subtle touches chinaman square anyone mostly very strong and one more tweet here from Patrick Baines, which I think really nails it. Uh, he said, It was good, but the problem we face when rating any new Partridge are the near-perfect episodes, knowing me, knowing you, I'm Alan Partridge, that we rate it against. Seven out of ten for me, but I'm sure that score will improve as the series gets going. Got quite emotional when Lynn appeared. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I think a fair, fair comment across the board, with the possible exception of the Daily Mirror. Cool, so that, that gives you a bit of a flavour of what kind of reaction we've seen on social media. Uh, Tom, have you looked into any IMDb stuff like, like you usually do? I have indeed. Uh, early reactions are in from the IMDb community. Uh, 8.5 out of 10 from 157 reviews so far. That's quite a lot of reviews for quite early on, the fact that this has only been out mm. for about 24 hours. Um, a higher and- score than, uh, than a lot of previous episodes of Classic Partridge as well. Very much so. Um, And we've also got some information on how it did uh, viewing figures-wise. The overnights came in and it was viewed by 3.2 million people and had an 18% audience share. Um, Tom, you know a bit about telly figures. I think they'd be happy with that, wouldn't they, on a Monday night? Yeah, I think uh, Monday night comedy, I think that's decent. I mean, for the context, the Graham Norton show, which is a flagship Friday night show on BBC One, that normally gets three and a half to four million. So, yeah, I think 3.2 million is uh, very strong. And 18% audience share is also really good. So I'm pretty sure the uh, BBC will be very pleased. He might get a second series. Um, (laughs) Those of you that uh, listen to our preview episodes will know that we plan every week to play a game of Predictor Partridge, where each of the hosts of Monkey Tennis predicts something that's going to happen in the following week's episode and then we will tot up the scores and see who was right so I can reveal the scores from the first episode I predicted that Alan would be so unprofessional that he'd take a phone call whilst on air that did not occur Tom Dark predicted that we're not going to see Simon but we will see Lynn that did not occur Tom Stab predicts that buttocks will be seen that did not occur (laughs) but Nick predicts that a guest will walk off stage because Alan has upset them yes that did occur Ah, so uh, thanks to the hacktivist Nick is on one the rest of us are on zero now uh, for complicated logistical reasons namely that we've we've already seen the second episode here at Monkey Tennis we'll be unable to play Predictor Partridge but please do get in touch with us with your predictions of what will happen in the second episode and uh, if you're right we'll name you and even if you're wrong you might get a mention as well Um, to get in touch with us on Instagram it's at monkey tennis pod twitter at the 
the Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod, the Partridge Pod at gmail.com, and the Monkey Tennis Hotline, which you can WhatsApp uh, or you can just call us the old fashioned way, is 07923 017. Um, we would say with the phone line, uh, based on the audio quality, if you can send us a WhatsApp voice note, that is for the best. So, I just had to say that. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, we're coming towards the end of the episode, uh, but a bunch of us have been invited onto various BBC radio programmes this week to talk about Partridge, uh, what makes him so beloved, and the anticipation and reactions around the new series. So we've tacked snippets of those chats to the end of this episode, so uh, stay listening to enjoy those. Regular listeners will be used to producer Jed being given a single word per episode on our podcast, but due to the unique way this podcast is now made, and because of Jed's various run-ins with the authorities, we've decided <laughs> to replace him with a cat. Um, she's a tireless cat PA, and her actual re- real name is Lynn 50. You can go on our social media if you don't believe us. You can see her name tag. Uh, you couldn't present a cat, but a cat could present monkey tennis. So we now go live to <laughs> Lynn 50 for her thoughts on this week's episode. Well, Lynn, can I just say, that's moved me. Genuinely haunting and touching words from Lynn there. Mm, but I'm sure yeah, struck yeah. a chord with us all. Genuine um, go- goosebumps. I've got actual goosebumps. Uh, so that's that's pretty much everything from us we'll be back next week uh, but wait surely John Baskell will be fighting fit and back to reclaim his hosting spot from Alan so what would we possibly have (laughs) to talk about Uh, from all of us at Monkey Tennis the Alan Partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye Goodbye! Mm, It's a big night for Alan Partridge tonight, bouncing back on TV again and on the BBC as well. Uh, He sent this morning uh, an all-staff email, uh, possibly the most interesting one I've read in a long time, uh, to remind everybody to tune in. Uh, This new show is called This Time. It's on tonight, BBC One, 9.30. Uh, It follows him as he gets another shot on telly as a stand-in host on a live... Well, it's a magazine programme that, that will probably remind you of The One Show. First, we preview a programme about the plight of pint-sized seal parts. Oh, bit of a mouthful. More pleasing than a pensioner's pamper. <laughs> Did I say that? Alan Partridge there, who I feel we know a bit more intimately now. Steady, missus. <laughs> I'm not even taking you for dinner yet. I'm a married woman, all of you know. <laughs> oh, I was told you were separated. Coming up, we'll be talking vegetarianism and gambling. But first, we preview a programme about the plight of pint-sized seal pups. Goodness, that's got more peas in it than a pensioner's pamper. (laughs) Yes, we're off to the Antarctic to take a look at these little fellas. Oh, yes. We've missed him, haven't we? Let's speak to Adam Brooks, co-host of Monkey Tennis, the Partridge Pod, a superfan who's already seen the first two episodes. Adam, hello. Hello, thanks for having me. Uh, no, it's great to talk to you. So I've seen the first two as well. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious that having seen the second, we need to be careful not to plot spoil uh, for Absolutely. the first. Um, what did you What did you make of it? Because it's been an awful long time in the making. He's done the various Sky Atlantic bits and pieces, but this is the first big Partridge BBC series in about 20 years. Did you like it? Yes, I did. I think it's uh, it's an incredibly layered bit of comedy. Um, I think the, the one great thing about Alan, he's obviously been around for about 28 years, and so I think uh, full credit to the Gibbons brothers who, who wrote and directed it, and to Steve Coogan, obviously, for keeping the character so fresh. Um, I think the fact that it's set uh, as as live, as if it's, it's going out live, um, adds a real kind of sense of 
panic to proceedings. And it almost feels in the sort of Alan timeline, like he'd given up on getting another shot at the BBC like this. So there's a real panic in his eyes, um, which people who've seen the trailer would have seen. Um, and I think that that sets it up to be a much more kind of exciting, fresh feel for Alan. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, actually. And, and uh, Scott Bryan was saying on the, on the Must Watch TV podcast that actually, even if you're not a real dyed-in-the-wool, lifelong Alan Partridge fan, where you get all of those extra layers from his facial expressions, knowing his backstory, you can still watch this and just enjoy it as a, as a pastiche of things like The One Show, Good Morning Britain, whatever it is. You, you can still tune in fresh and, and actually really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, because of the, the nature of it going out like a live show, there's not a lot of time to kind of explain his backstory. Um, people who've, who've watched him for ages will recognise a couple of the other characters on screen. So his, uh, his tireless PA, Lynn, is back and sidekick Simon, who we saw in Mid-Morning Matters, uh, returns as well. But yeah, you could absolutely come to it w- w- with a fresh pair of eyes and, and still find it hilarious. Yeah. Why is it that we still... So your, your podcast, we were saying, is called Monkey Tennis, which of course was one of the old um, programme ideas that he was giving to Tony Hares in the famous Smell My Cheese episode. Why, after all of this time, are we still, and I will still use Partridge quotes in everyday life, and, and the, the, you know, other people will, 20 years on, are we, are we, are we quite sad? Are we a bit embarrassed? Why, why are we still, still so into this character after all this time? And why are those lines still getting trotted out? Well, yeah, I mean, I, like a lot of people, had a real phase around my, my uni years where we probably talked as much in Partridge quotes as we did in, in our own voices. Um, I think the main thing with him, there's a lot of things you can say about all beloved comedy characters, you know, that, that you know people just like Alan or that there's a little bit of, of his character in everybody. And I think that's true. But, but more than that, he's been allowed to progress. We've seen him move through different mediums. He's written books. He's, he's done TV as live. He's been a newscaster, a documentary maker. There's been a film about him. Um, uh, and, and the character's been on stage as well. So I think uh, he's been allowed to sort of explore different avenues, if you like, and I think that, that keeps the character fresh. Um, and he's also kind of, his temperament's changed over the years. I feel like Alan's grown up a bit with us, if you like. Um, he used to be a much more sort of manic panicked character that would quite gleefully say the wrong thing uh, and now as as the writers ha- have explained they've created a slightly more nuanced slightly kind of more established broadcaster if you like who's a bit happier with himself uh, and also he's, he wants to do the right thing he wants to say the right thing but the comedy comes from the fact that, that he only ever gets about halfway there yeah and then never quite managed it and he did say as well in the Q&A's around this that back in the early days he used to have to have makeup and, and prosthetics and that kind of thing to make him look old enough to be middle-aged now now he's got it all there naturally yeah exactly yeah if, if anything i guess in future they'll have to start turning the clock back the other way yeah adam it's great to talk to you uh, thank you adam brooks uh, he was co-host of monkey tennis the partridge podcast I, i'm not gonna lie i'm really excited about this tonight it, it's so good and if you are um a partridge fan or you've ever watched it and enjoyed it i don't think you're gonna be disappointed it's on bbc one at half past nine tonight half past five now on drive We're going to speak to Tom Stabb, one of the hosts of the Partridge Fan podcast, Monkey Tennis. Hi, Tom. Hi there. How's it going? Uh, Yeah, I watched it last night and at the beginning I thought, oh, I'm not sure this is working. And then I kind of warmed into it. What did you think? Well, we were lucky enough, um, myself and the other co-hosts of Monkey Tennis, to see uh, the the first two episodes actually here at uh, Broadcasting House. And... 
we were unanimous. We loved it. We um, it was fantastic to see Alan back at arguably his spiritual home, the BBC. Obviously, he's been on um, in various specials and shows on other stations, but I think the BBC is back where you know is where Alan belongs, and we absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, we're, we're excited to see the rest of the series. It's a kind of funny old format, isn't it? Because effectively, you're seeing the show as it is, as it would be on TV, and then you get glimpses of behind the scenes when they go to their VTs, and that's kind of you know the best of Alan at work yeah and and that kind of allows the writers and allows um Lynn to come back who we saw last night obviously you know it wouldn't make sense for her to be appearing on the show so when they throw to the the VTs that that the the magazine style show this time is, is is showing it allows us to see what's going on behind the camera you know Alan's reactions to how he's going down um, on the show and obviously being able to bring back old characters that we know and love. I thought Jenny Gresham, the character of Jenny Gresham, who, played by Susanna Fielding, who we spoke to yesterday, was brilliant. Yeah, we, we, we've discussed this on our, on our latest episode on the podcast, how, how good she is. Um, obviously coming into this um, sort of situation of, 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 of playing this character alongside an iconic character and established comedy legend in Steve Coogan must have been a huge challenge and I think she's absolutely fantastic some amazing face acting from her because as we saw last night she kind of steals Alan's lines a couple of times yeah. so she's not exactly an angel when it comes to her broadcasting professionalism uh, different opinions so Tim says sadly a little disappointing for me another Tim thought it was too long better a 15 minute skit I found it difficult to cringe for a full half an hour um, Paul says I love Partridge but I realised why Gervais retired Brent this was poor um, this though Alan is as wonderfully exasperating as ever um, set me thinking which is the most cringeworthy character Partridge or David Brent but it wasn't unanimously um, supportive on social media was it I, I mean personally I loved it but then I think I can understand why people may be slightly reluctant to, to, to sort of um, to praise it because it is a new format it's a new fresh approach to Alan you know it would be very easy for Steve and the Gibbons brothers the new writers to rehash the old tropes and I think what they're doing is they're bringing uh, a new Alan a slightly mellower more mature Alan obviously he does have his moments but I think you know it would be really easy to rehash the old sketches and the old catchphrases and they're doing something new and different and I think you know arguably that could take a little bit of time for people to get used to but you know on the whole I think it's a huge challenge to bring a character as iconic as Alan Partridge back to the screens and I think they've done a fantastic job um, If you didn't see it it's all over social media do look out for the hands-free train toilet drill which was possibly one of the best parts of the programme last night just for its physical comedy as well as what Partridge was actually saying Tom I think Steve is actually sort of underrated as, as a bit of a I don't want to damn him with fake praise by calling him a slapstick comedian but Alan has his moments like sort of when he's running away from Jed Maxwell he jumps over the fence um, there's a there's a section in, in Mid-Morning Matters when he sort of slides out of a chair that's really, really funny. And, that you know, this is kind of almost a little bit slapstick, but, I mean, it just looks... It's, it's genuinely brilliant. Well, there's a text here. Cringeworthy, accident-prone, foot-in-mouth, exasperating. Rachel, how'd you put up with Nicky? That's not... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Enjoy Cheers, the rest Tom. of the series. Thank you very much for Tom having me. Tom Stab from the Partridge Fan Podcast, Monkey Tennis. And, yeah, there's loads of it online, so you'll be able to catch up. It's also on BBC iPlayer right now. This time, the new Alan Potter. Series. Since uh, Alan Partridge has been off the TV, we've had to make do with Richard Maidley, but great news. Partridge was back last night on the BBC, and Tom Stab, one of the hosts of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, joins us now. Morning, Tom. Morning, Ollie. Thanks great for to me. have him back, wasn't it? 
Yeah, fantastic. We're so happy to have Alan back. Probably, arguably, his spiritual home on the BBC. Obviously, he's been on various other channels in the last few years, done specials and other series. But, yeah, we consider, you know, on the podcast, the BBC to be Alan's spiritual home. So it's great to have him back. And and for all those of us who, who dreamt that, that what it might be like to see Alan Partridge hosting the one show, that's effectively what we got last night, wasn't it? Yeah, so you know the setup is not too dissimilar from the one show. There's Alan and uh, his 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 co-host, um, uh, played Jim. by Susanna Fielding, who's who's fantastic. And yeah, we sort of throw to these VT clips, and we see some of them, and some of them we stay in the studio, which is why we're able to see you know such loved characters as as Lynn returning, because it would have been a bit contrived to have her on the show. But seeing as we cut away and stay in the studio, we get to have those characters come back. So it was great to see Lynn. Does it work? Yeah, we think so. Um, obviously, it's it's kind of it. It would be easy for the for Steve and the Gibbons brothers to to rehash what they've done in the past, but people would call them out on that. So it's a it's a different and fresh approach. Some people may may say it's 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 not as good, but and it will take a bit. Of, you know, it might take a bit of time to get used to. But um, we love the new format, and and you know we're sort of really excited to see how the series progresses and how those relationships with his co-hosts and all those returning characters, Lynn and Psychic Simon, develop. Yeah, he's on the Pope program yesterday tim key what a guy what a guy yeah yeah some of his you know he, he's come to partridge relatively late in the proceedings he's, he's a character introduced by the gibbons brothers but um you know it, some of his acting is just spectacular especially uh, on mid-morning matter some of his face acting oh, is, is a real highlight of our uh, love him thank you very much tom tom stab there appreciate it not at all and off to the eye player uh, for this time yes. with alan partridge aha damn back of the net Monkey tennis? In no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist! Damn! Sorry, that was just a noise. Monkey tennis? I got, uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism, more distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're attacking, basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please?